morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and our podcast gives a voice to the women whose story is meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share their stories with the world so that in their shining, they give permission to others to shine. Well, today's guest is a very good friend of mine, someone I admire greatly. She's done wonderful things in the legal marketing community and helped law firms grow and protect their business. Her name is Deborah Farone of Farone Advisors. Welcome, Deborah, and thank you for being here. Susan, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be part of the conversation. Awesome, awesome. Well, I know you well, and I'm a huge fan, and I'm sure there are those out there who don't know you as well. I would like them to. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my background, I started in in marketing and public relations. I worked at Ketchum, which was a communications firm. I loved it um, and really just enjoyed the idea of professional services marketing. And from there was hired by Towers Watson and I ran uh, national public relations, which meant kind of going from city to city and figuring out what the culture was of the office and helping each of them market. Um, And always loved the idea of marketing law firms from kind of the early days when people could do that. So I kept my eyes open. And when Deba Voice and Plimpton was hiring their first CMO and I got a call from a recruiter, I jumped at the chance and I worked there. I built their business development and marketing department from, I think, a staff of zero to a staff of 20 some odd. Wow. Um, yeah, over 14 years, though. Growth did not come easily, you know. Um, <laughs> and then then did the same thing at Cravath, Swain & Moore and worked for um, about four of their different presiding partners, the firm leaders. So it's been, a, it's been a fun career. It's really been wonderful. I've enjoyed it. That's great. That's great. So let me, tell, let me ask you a question. Tell me a little bit about what, what is so, it, it seems difficult to market professional services versus products or what have you. What, what is that special sauce or secret sauce? You know, how, how do you explain that difference? Like it is a challenge. It is a much bigger challenge to market professional services. How do you meet that challenge? I think you have to understand that each firm is going to be unique, um, that no two firms are alike, even if they're within the same category. Law firms are very different. You know, a lot depends on the firm's culture, um, what people feel comfortable doing, what behaviors are rewarded, um, what the compensation system is like, who the firm's leaders are, but they're all very unique. And so you can't apply the same cookie cutter approach at one firm as you do to the next. And I think that's a big differential that professional service firms have versus consumer products because you're dealing with individuals and they're individuals that exist within a certain culture and business climate. But it's fascinating because as business changes, what professionals can do in relation to the business really is fascinating and they can adapt we're seeing it now with the use of technology and innovation, and it's just a very exciting area to be in right now. I think that's great that you have um, pointed out to the listeners that it's not one size fits all, that it really takes a relationship. You go in there and you probably have to learn a lot about not just the firm and its culture, but each individual attorney that you're working with or whom you're working with, I should say. 
because yeah, it's not one size fits all. And, and I think in looking at the legal landscape today, it's not as predictable as it once was, you know, uh, again, the role of technology, some firms have it, some firms don't, some firms call themselves innovators and others, you know, they, they are or they aren't, they might call themselves that, but not really be innovative. Um, before we go forward, tell me about your education. Where did you go to school? So I went to Boston University and we had a college of communications with the student run ad agency. And that was kind of my first taste of, of marketing. And I loved it. It was called Ad Lab. And it allowed us to go out and get new business, which I was doing at the time, which is kind of prescient. I didn't Amazing. know. That. And I, who would have thought I'd end up doing it as a career? But it was run by these wonderful professors, um, Walter Lubars and Bob Montgomery. And we had an ad agency on campus. And that was really what made all the difference in my deciding that I, I definitely won communications and it was going to be a marketing related type of career. That's incredible. I've never heard of that before. I think that, wow, I'm blown away. So <laughs> they usually teach, you know, about this stuff, but to actually do it is incredible. There's no better way to learn than experience, right? So how wonderful for Ketchum to have nabbed you when you got out of college. That's great. Kudos to you and Boston University. Oh, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure that there are lots of others who have felt the same way. Um, but, you know, it's really like any experience. It's what you put into it. So with AdLab as with any other job, you know, the harder you work and the more you keep your eyes open to learning and to knowing what people in the cubicle next door to you are doing or the office next door to you are doing, the better the opportunity you have to, to learn things. But I really do believe it's up to the individual to kind of take uh, responsibility for learning and go out there and um, take control over their careers. Interesting. Interesting. So when you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is lawyers who don't share um, who their clients are or what they're up to or what they're doing with the person in the office next to them. So those barriers are, you know, we call it siloed law firm settings. So we still see those a lot. And so if you go in and can convince, persuade, influence, or in some way, deliver a value proposition that makes that lawyer go, you know, it serves me well if I am collaborative with my partners or share information with others in the firm. I think that's pretty powerful if you can do that. Um, I know I try and sometimes don't succeed, um, but it is true that when you are aware and collaborative, I, I feel like in business that collaboration is the best path forward. Maybe in sports, competition would be. But if you're in the same firm, you really should, I believe, collaborate. What do you think? Oh, I definitely believe it is. I, you know, I've read a lot of Heidi Gardner's work, which is really incredible. And she talks about collaboration and how one plus one can equal four. You know, that if you put your minds together and have a culture that, you know, says we support collaboration, that will make a huge, huge difference. And there have been so many programs recently where we've heard general counsel talk and say they really want outside firms to collaborate with them. Right. And the operations people within corporations want that as well. So I think being able to collaborate, not being threatened by it, but, 
but welcoming it and finding ways to help one another is an enormous um, advantage to yeah. anyone's, anyone's toolbox. It's just a, an important part of doing business today. I agree. I agree. I see that in you personally, as you operate your own business, I find that you're very collaborative. Some people, not so much, but you for sure. Yeah. Uh, living by example right there. Thank you. Thank you. A great career. Um, you're so young. You must have started at 12. You look great. <laughs> Let me ask you, um, throughout this great career, what would you say was your proudest professional accomplishment? Oh, you know, um, I'm not a, a prideful person in that I don't look at it that way because these were um, things that I accomplished with the help of a lot of other people. But I think building business development and marketing departments and changing cultures as much as they could be changed at, at both Deba Voice and Cravath. And I, I probably shouldn't even say that I changed the culture, but I hope that I furthered the business development cultures at those places. And the work that I did there, you know, I feel very good about and I do feel uh, proud of. And I think, you know, the second thing is probably my book and writing, you know, best practices in law firm business development and marketing, because that was something I gave myself a year to write. I interviewed more than 60 professionals, whether they were legal technologists or heads of law firms, really wonderful people from, you know, Bob Gunderson to Henry Nassau to um, Mitch Sulky. I mean, really just terrific people, but it was, um, you know, it was a year long project and I'm thrilled that it's uh, been getting such nice reviews on, on Amazon and from PLI, the publisher. I have to interject here, folks, and say that I was among the very first to pre-order this amazing book. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in Deborah. I believe in her, um, not just her content, but her delivery method. She's, she's unique in that she's a great listener. She remains calm, which every law firm needs calm marketers and business development professionals for sure. Um, and I think this book is fantastic. I, I actually have read it and I promote it everywhere I can. Um, I'll certainly put a link to this book in our blog when we sync the podcast into the blog. Um, I'm proud of you. I remember, I think I met you when you first got your office and started, you know, um, focusing on this day and night. And I have this book that I have to complete in a year. And it's <laughs> great to see what you've done in that year. That's pretty amazing. Uh, so folks, Deborah helped me a lot in my last in-house position at a law firm that no one would disagree is among the best and has some of the brightest and most brilliant lawyers um, in the system. And as a business development professional within a firm such as that, you have to find a unique way to message how you can help them because they don't think they need help. So she helped me greatly. She shared with me some of her Forbes articles. Tell us a little bit more about your relationship with Forbes. Oh, you know, it's it's been interesting. I try to write maybe once a quarter um, for their communications council, but I really do believe in communicating and, and sharing information. So I do some things with Forbes. I just wrote a piece for the American Lawyer. Um, I'm doing some things with the IBA that should be exciting. And I, I've just finished a chapter that is going into um, a book uh, that's being published by Heidi Gardner. Um, and Rebecca Normand, and it's, 
you know, I think it's part of your duty almost as a professional when you see trends and you hear things in the marketplace, you know, not only to speak about them when, you know, I do law firm retreat speaking, and, and of course you want to talk about it there, but I think it's very important to kind of share what you're seeing as far as trends and also interesting solutions. And there's I love that about you. I love that about you because you allow others to learn from what you know. Uh, you don't um, hoard your knowledge, if you will. And I think that we need to do that. We need to help one another, help lawyers, uh, help their clients. So, you know, I believe in paying it forward, sharing it left and right and up and down. And I, I greatly respect that you do that too. You have been a mentor in some way to me. Um, who has been your mentor? Oh, well, thank you for saying I'm a mentor. I appreciate that. And I, I don't, I don't usually see myself in that light, but that's very kind. Um, you know, I guess we all try to mentor people and, and sponsor them even more, um, you know, really kind of take their hand and, and help them, whether it's by introductions or giving them advice. And there have been just so many people. I think, you know, Alan Parker, who's now the acting CEO of Wells Fargo, was an incredible leader when I was at Cravath. And just, I think he really understood the impact of creating a, a, a good working culture was just so helpful. Um, he knew everyone's name. He really was able to build consensus for decisions. He was just an honest, good, wonderful person with great integrity. Um, and Evan Chesler, uh, who I worked with, who's one of the country's leading litigators, had a terrific work style and seeing him prepare for trial just you know you can't help but see that rub off on on you um and he was terrific and of course just personally i mean my my dad was my ethical guider of of so many different areas of my life and my sister and my mom just you know are really incredible um and my sister's an expert on women's health and really cares a great deal about helping other women so uh, they've all been mentors of some kind so I have to say, I know your sister through a, a, a podcast that I did with her, and what you say is spot on. Your whole family uh, leads with integrity, I will say. As, as for me, I considered you a mentor when I was in-house asking you, oh, help me with this. How do I deal with this lawyer? He's brilliant. Um, how do I convince him that I can help him be more successful? And you were really great about that, really great about sharing information. And best That's practices. so kind. That's so yeah. kind. I mean, the smarter they are, kind of the greater the opportunity and sometimes the greater challenge in working with them. So I, I feel for you. Yeah, I know. You've been there and you've been successful at it. So let's talk about women for a moment. Let's talk about lifting women up. What do you think we could do to better lift women in business? You know, my I guess because I'm looking at through the lens now of the work that I've done over the last year, year and a half, but I think women can really be helped by um, greater rainmaking skills. That doesn't mean that there's not a lot that has to be fixed you know, in society and in law firms in particular. But I do think that rainmaking is a skill that in some ways can be a bit of an equalizer. Um, when you look at the women who are leading law firms today, and there are not many, but the ones who are, you know, whether it's um, Jamie McCoon, whether it's, um, you know, Candace Beinecke, um, they've all been 
real rainmakers. They're all great at business development. And I, I think it's a terrific tool for people to have. And it doesn't mean that they necessarily have to have me in their firm. They can emulate some of the other behaviors that they see you know, people doing as far as business development. There's so much to read online to give you tips. I mean, there are great coaches out there. There are many of them that are really very good at this. And so I think rainmaking and helping women to be able to understand that they should have both the confidence and the skills to go out there and develop business is really key. And so I want to see them do more of that. Um, and it also helps you, quite frankly, if you ever want to go out on your own to develop your own kind of business, that it's a skill that you have that's highly transferable and helpful in everything that you do. That's so great. That's so true. Um, again, giving to give and, you know, carrying that through, paying it forward, if you will, like a lot of people say. <clears throat> Let me ask you this. What is the key, in your opinion, or in your expert opinion, I should say, to successful practice planning? Oh, I love practice planning. I love strategic planning. But I think if you can't do a big strategic plan, you need to really break things down and do practice plans. Um, I think gone are the days where someone hands you a big binder with a huge plan that no one's going to read. I think, you know, practice planning really has to be participatory. So you need to involve the people who it's going to impact and also the naysayers in the firm. Um, and then make sure that it's a living, breathing document that you're looking at at least every quarter, paying attention to, um, and really have, you know, actionable steps at, with dates and responsibilities. And, you know, make sure that it's not just put on a desk shelf and remains dusty. Um, and so I think three quarters of that is really just the, the practical side of it. But I think it needs to be based on proper research, looking at the market. There are a number of components that really go into, you know, good practice planning and also good strategic planning. You know, many of those principles about involving the people who it will impact and the naysayers, that's really, I think, key in strategic planning as well. I will say this, that you, you talk of naysayers. I think that, you know, most people want good things to happen, but they fear not knowing how to make those good things happen. So, um, you know, fear, I think fear is at the core of a lot of this, why, why they're not trying, or if they're trying and they don't succeed right off the bat, they give up or, you know, I, I often show like in my thesis, I talk about fear being a big element, a tool in a litigator's toolbox. They want to create fear. They want to create fear in others, but sometimes they suffer that same fear themselves. Um, you know, win or, win or learn, never lose. That's what I always say. Win or learn, <laughs> never lose. So speaking of that, tell me any challenges that you've overcome and learned you know, from? We were talking about it earlier. I really don't focus on the challenges. I mean, there are challenges every day in life, you know, but I think it depends on how you view it. And if something doesn't turn out the way you want, you kind of pick up your pieces quickly, you assess where you are, and you just keep on going forward. Um, you know, and that's something... I think I probably learned from my mom, you know, you fall off a bicycle, you think about why you fell off the bicycle and then get back on and, and go forward. That's great. So there really are no um, setbacks, if you will. That's great. These are just things that propel you. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, attitude. Well, there are challenges in life and everyone has them, you know, whether it's health, whether it's personal, whether it's business. 
Um, yeah. But I tend, um, you know, and I don't want to hex myself, but I tend to try to focus at least my brain on the solutions and, and moving forward. Well, I see that. I see that it's evident in your career and watching what you've done. I'm over here in California. You're over there in New York. And I still see all the great things that you're doing. I follow you on social media. Tell us something surprising about you that we may not know. Oh, I think, you know, in my spare time, although I'd like at times for people to think all I'm doing is, is reading books on business development and marketing and strategy. <laughs> I, I love New York city and I tend to take lots of long walks, uh, you know, on a Saturday, it's uh, very often I can be found, you know, walking the length of the Island if I can. Um, and I love taking pictures. I'm a very amateur photographer, but I love doing that. And, um, it's just, you know, it's a great place to live. So I try to take advantage of New York City in whatever way I can. You know, your pictures are beautiful, Deborah. They tell stories without words. It's so amazing. Um, am I correct? You're on Instagram at Deborah Ferrone Photos. Is that? Um, I'm at D Ferrone Photo. That's D. the one. Photo. Right. That's the one with my, my more serious photography, although I don't know how serious it is, but my New York City photography. And then, the, um, I also have an Instagram account regarding my book and just my obsession in marketing. So that's Deborah Ferrone Best Practices. So that's a little bit more business-like and um, more marketing-oriented. Well, I definitely want to follow you there. I didn't, I didn't realize I wasn't. I'll, I'll double-check. I probably am. But I'm so blown away by your photos. They're beautiful. They, they really are. I know that professional photographers are probably – you know, flipping with all the tools available to the layperson now, um, but you do a really good job. Is that is that a Nikon or a Canon or is that your iPhone or what is that? You know, it's either a, a wonderful Nikon or it's my iPhone. And the sad thing is sometimes I don't think you can tell the difference in how they've turned <laughs> out. So. Yeah, the, iPhone, I, the iPhones are now pretty snazzy when it comes to camera capabilities. They um, are. I, I, mean, I love it. Not to do an ad for it, but the iPhone 10 has been incredible. It's been so helpful to what I do. And every event that I go to, I end up taking photographs. And every time I, I leave my home, I seem to want to photograph something. That's awesome. Well, you live in a really dynamic, robust, beautiful, colorful uh, space on this planet. So I'm glad you share a little bit of that with me because I'm over here uh, in California. It's nice to see what's happening in your world. Um, thank you so much for sharing your um, business knowledge, your, I guess, personal wisdom, your creative um, content on Instagram and on the web. Your website is? DebraFarone.com. Excellent. And we can follow you on Twitter where? At DebraFarone. There you go. So are you open to LinkedIn uh, connections? Some people are not. You know, I am. But the one thing I ask is that people put in, you know, you're always allowed to send a, a message along with the invitation. And I really like when people include a message saying why we should link in together or how they've met me or you know, why they want to link in. Um, I think that's very helpful. So just something for people to keep in mind, not just with me, but in general, I think that's a good kind of business practice. 
I never thought about that, but I guess you're right. You know, you kind of want to know what that person's need is. So please articulate in the notes section when you want to connect with Deborah, why it is you want to connect with her. And that way she, she can frame her response in an appropriate way and, and perhaps um, help you to grow and, and protect your own business. So Deborah, this is always fun chatting with you. I don't usually have the public listening to our phone calls and chats. Uh, it's been fun as a podcast and I will, as I mentioned, put it into a blog and share it shortly. Um, I hope for you a great weekend and very, very, very much more success uh, upon the success you've already had. Oh, thank you, Susan. It was a pleasure speaking with you. You too. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.